Criminality, the podcast, the podcast for people like you and me, Melissa. The people like you and me that love true crime and reality or reality and true crime. Yeah. Nope. The first one was right. The first one is right. And it's, you know, not a crime to love reality. There you go. You know, we, we got through a lot of points there in the beginning. <laughs> this is our thesis. But no, I'm so happy to be back. Me too. Again, feels like a very long two weeks. And Rebecca, something big is going on in your neck of the woods in October that we found out about today. Yeah, I think you might need to come up for a visit, Melissa, because BravoCon 2021 is happening. I can't even believe it. Um, Did you go to 2019 by chance? I feel like you would have told me. Okay. Yeah. It seemed to be amazing and shady and all the things you wanted it to be. Yeah, I can't tell if I'm actually too introverted for something like BravoCon. I, I go to CrimeCon and I will be at CrimeCon. Also, if anybody listening is going to be at CrimeCon, come say hi. Yay. I'll be at my other podcast table. Uh, maybe you and I will get there together next time. Yeah. It's different because I feel like true crime world is a bunch of introverts and podcasters. And right. so there's sort of like a moratorium on how much interaction there is. I don't know. I just expect BravoCon to be a lot of like ratcheted up people for three days. Oh, yeah. Sonia on a table, on a glass table, just breaking it. Yeah. Yeah, that probably, nope, that doesn't sound like something I can do. (laughs) But I I think it's what you make it. So I could be convinced to go. And if you were like, I'll come up for it, I would go with you and we would have fun and we would just have rules and like, you know. Yeah. Limits. Yeah. The <laughs> rules would be I'm back to my room by 7.30 p.m. And yeah, yeah I don't even know if I would want to talk to anyone. I would just love to be a literal. I wish I could be invisible and, and just walk around. Oh, absolutely. I would just, yeah, quietly just listen to what's going on and really try to get close, but have no interest in meeting anyone. That's that's really where that's like my strong place. I don't really want to talk to people. In the nicest way, but I want to hear what's going on. I, I like the, the fly on the wall. Yes. How could we pull this off? <laughs> I don't know. Is I mean, we could we could be pickles. We could meet yeah. pickles. Oh. <laughs> I would meet pickles. I would too. I was gonna say we could um like Scooby Do it and like have like costumes and like pretend we're part of the crew <laughs> and like you hold a boom mic, I'll hold like a, a light reflector and we just like, yeah, we work here. I immediately just... thought less Scooby Doo and more person on somebody's shoulders walking in, <laughs> but I am so freakishly tall. It would just be such a disaster from the get go. Like, like there's a twelve foot person walking in. <laughs> that doesn't they get rip, any attention. They rip the hoodie and the sunglasses off. Luann would be it's... in love. Oh my gosh, yes. We would dance together because we're tall. She would just go for us and she would be like, you're tall, let's dance. There you go. Okay, now I'm having fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, before we get started on the episode though, we we don't have a theme song yet. We don't have a song for this yet, but we have a little segment we'd like to introduce and it's called... Oops, we did it again. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what this segment is. Basically, we're going to screw up and we're going to screw up a lot. And the higher my voice goes up, the more you know I'm going to screw up. So last week we talked about Nicole Richie. I really love that episode and I hope you guys did too. But I mentioned a few incorrect things, one of which was in reference to the Gabor sisters. I only mentioned Jaja and I forgot that Eva Gabor even existed until people wrote... I didn't even know there was another one. And apparently that's the one I wanted. What did Jaja do? I'm not going to guess in this segment. I don't want to get it wrong. I, I, I just, she was like famous for being rich. 
like Zsa, Zsa oh, okay. Gabor. I don't know. She just, I think she had a lot of shoes, but that's the Amelda woman. I, I don't even know. Her name is Zsa So, I mean, she can do whatever she wants. I love it. Um, and then the other uh, thing that I would like to go on the record and correct is we, by we, I mean me, got the Madden brothers confused. Which one dated Hillary Duff, right? I think we both did. I think I confused that. I think, yeah, no, I think you just were very nice and like agreed with me. But in your head, you were like, definitely the other one, but I'm not going to do this to her. So, um, yeah, we, we got it confused. It was Joel, who is married to Nicole, that dated Hillary Duff Eek. Yikes. Eek. Yes. Yeah. So, oops, we did it again. Yeah. And we're going to do it again and again. I know. So that's why we named the segment Yes. That. Um, so, you know, please be gracious with us. Thank you for your feedback. Yes. We do like to learn. We do like to course correct and fact check. Right. And we do our best to get as much as right possible, but it's inevitable to just yeah. totally. And whenever we go off on rabbit trails, like I, there was no reason for me to mention Zsa, Zsa Gabor. <laughs> so I didn't fact check that. And same thing with the, when we got into Hillary Duff world, although I did Google the concert or her listening to them for a like photo shoot and I could not find it. So it, there's a chance I made up the entire story. It was a fantasy, like me <laughs> dancing with Luann. <laughs> it was all but a dream. Uh, yeah, so, and I've probably gotten stuff wrong too, but the segment just started. So I'll, I'll just yeah, move yeah. forward. <laughs> we'll move along. No, that'll be um, fun, I guess, and educational. <laughs> It'll be something. That's what I say. It'll be something. Well, I guess let's get into it because I'm actually really excited to talk about this one. It has just, it's star-studded, Melissa, the story that is. And there's a lot of reality ramifications from this case and this story and this show. It's, it will resonate on a lot of levels, but I don't want to hype it up too much. Let's just get into it. (laughs) So at the top, I am going to say that there is a brief mention of sexual abuse and there is extensive discussion around drug abuse. So please listen with care if that is a sensitive topic for you. Let's go back just a little over 10. Well, gosh, it's 2021. So I guess it's more like 12, 13 oh, years gosh. ago. <laughs> I know it's it's really weird when I see the year 2008 and realize just how long ago that was. Because right. it feels like yesterday. Uh, but between October 2008 and August 2009, there were a string of burglaries in the Hollywood Hills. These home invasions made headlines. They were on the news because the victims were celebrities. And, you know, we care more when it's <laughs> rich people or famous people. But they were a very specific kind of celebrity. They were, with one exception, women, young, and reality and TV stars. So it's like perfect. Right. And they were all at the peak of their fame. All but one graced the cover of Maxim at one time or another, and all told across the burglaries, over $3 million in cash and belongings were taken. Do you have any idea, Melissa, where I'm going with this and what this string of burglaries is? I have one idea, and it's on my mug. Is it the story, Nancy Joe? this is Alexa, Alexis Nyers calling? It absolutely is. We're talking, I can't believe you had a prop to go with the story. I felt very confident with it. What can I say? I had a feeling you did, and that's why my Zoom background is also me and the girls, the three sisters, and we are going to get into it. But yeah, we're talking about the bling ring. That's who these criminals were. And the bling ring has such a good 
ring to it, if you will. But like serial killers, <laughs> there were other names floating around before they landed on this one. I don't know if you knew that, but like oh. most serial killer monikers had a couple test runs that weren't as good and then the good ones stuck. Right. So before they were the bling ring, some other names floating around, Hollywood Hills Burglar Bunch. Boo. Then they shortened it to just the Burglar Bunch. Also terrible. Yeah. Then they had like a hybrid Hollywood Hills burglars. Just so boring. So the LA Times coined the bling ring and it Perfect. stuck and people loved it, right? So who exactly was responsible for these brazen break-ins and how did they pull it off? It was a group of teenagers. There were seven of them. They were all age 18 or 19 and they lived in affluent LA suburbs. The seven members of the bling ring were Rachel Lee, Nick Prugo, Alexis Nyers, we're mostly going to focus on Alexis, Diana Tamayo, Courtney Ames, Johnny Ahar, and Roy Lopez Jr. So this was basically their strategy. They had an MO. And what they did was look at sites like TMZ, right? Right. Peak TMZ. Yeah, yeah. And they'd figure out who was out of town. So they'd see a headline like, Paris Hilton going to the XYZ premiere in New York. So they're like, oh, she's out of town. So then they would Google her address. But even more than Google it, they would go to a website that had all the addresses of famous people listed. And you had to pay for it. It was like $10 a month, but down to the street. I mean, everything. Yeah. So they would get the address. Then they would go on to Google Earth. And they would get this 360 view of not just the house, but the property and the gates. And they would figure out where can they hop a fence? Where are there more shrubs? Is there a dog? You know, all these things. So super savvy kids. I mean, talk about the Scooby-Doo. It's like modern day Scooby-Doo. They could get into BravoCon, no problem. Oh yeah, we should actually start scheming. (laughs) This is how we're going to get in there. Okay, stop talking about it. So the girls in this group were really obsessed with reality TV. And yes, I felt shame when reading about just how obsessed with reality TV they became. They just adored the girls that they watched on these shows, TV shows and reality. And they they studied their fashion. These were all kind of like fashionistas and they wanted the designer clothes. So they would basically target whose homes they wanted to go to by whose wardrobes they wanted to steal. And as they got into doing more and more houses, they started referring to it. Their little code among their group was going shopping, which not to make light of a crime, but how fun is that? Like, hey, Melissa, Friday night, you want to go shopping? Yeah. But if you're talking to Melissa as a teenager, I would just think we were going to like, I don't know, the grocery store to grab a froyo or something. It would not be that exciting. No, it wouldn't be. But I wouldn't be saying it to you like that and winking unless you'd already been in on the scoop, you know? Yeah, nobody invites me to scoops. I'm scoopless. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Melissa, you are out of the bling ring. I'm out. I will break, I will break us into BravoCon myself. So so this is their, their scheme. And obviously all these homes had security cameras. So the kids would show up wearing hoodies, glasses, and they would maneuver as best they could around the cameras and make sure their back or, you know, not their full front face was in front of the camera until the very end where they got bold and they were literally like mugging and posing in front of the cameras, which was their downfall. Yeah. So now that we have a little sense of the bling ring themselves, let's talk about a timeline of the victims and the crimes. So Paris Hilton was the very first victim and they actually went back to her house many, many times. So it was October of 28. Yeah, I know, I know. 
they uh, they went to Paris's house and they chose her because amazing clothes and accessories, but also they believed she was dumb. Their words. Yikes. And that her house would be easy to get into. And Melissa, they were right. They jumped the hedges. And to, to Paris's credit, I should just say she lived in a gated community. And she later was saying that she just didn't even think people could get into the neighborhood, let right. alone her house. Well, they did. And they didn't say anything about how they got through that security, but they did. And they went to her property over the fence looked under the front doormat and there was a key to her door. But no. it gets better because they didn't need it. They opened the door. It was wide open. So they go in and they help themselves to her closet. They took purses, clothes, and cash, and they claim to have done some of the drugs that they found in her closet, but her people deny that there were any such drugs and said, who are you going to believe, like these hoodlums or right. Paris Hilton? Um, so we don't know if that really happened or not, but we know that they left with a lot of haul from Paris's closet. And they also took some personal photos of her where she is topless. Um, oh my gosh. So just a real violation of yeah. her privacy and her belongings. But she didn't notice for a really long time. She actually didn't notice that she was burglarized until they went to back to her house three, four, and up to five times it's reported because she has so much stuff and they were that good. And so it's when she started noticing some personal belongings and like major chunks of handbags right. completely gone. Crazy thing about Paris's house is her closet is like a room. I mean, it is right. like not even not even a bedroom. It's it's almost like an apartment and then there's a secret door that goes to a private nightclub and the kids found that, discovered that. So Paris has like her own private nightclub with like a stripper pole and you know, the lights go dark and it's very moody. So the kids would just go in there. And the reason they kept going back was they kept telling their friends about it. Like, want to go to Paris's house? Forget going shopping. What? So more kids would go and it became like this thing that they did. So that was their first victim. So you can see why they got kind of into this because they didn't get caught. They did it many times. So Next up was Audrina Patridge in February of 2009. So she is a star for sure. Not as big as a celebrity as the others, but there's some speculation and it was sort of written about that the kids kind of identified with her because mm. she was from the OC and she was kind of just an everyday teenager who then became famous. And I think they watched that happen and felt a connection to it. So they wanted to go to her house and get her clothes. So in addition to clothes and handbags, they took her passport and laptop. Whoa. And she says there's a gate that you need a code to get in for entry, but for some reason that night it was demagnetized. There's also sliding glass doors on the whole first floor of the house, and they're usually locked, but the far right panel was unlocked that night. The really creepy thing about the burglary at Audrina's house is that she came home 20 minutes after they'd left. And unlike Paris, she knew immediately something had happened because there were these lines in the carpet. And what they figured out with police later was that it was the wheel marks, like rolling a suitcase out. Whoa. Her suitcase was missing and, and it was all her stuff. So she was freaked out because then she realized, is this person still in the right. house? They weren't, but she left the house, went to a gas station, called the police, waited for an escort to bring her back to the house yeah. to investigate. So just two months later, the bling ring heads over to Rachel Bilson's house in April of 2009. And they also, just like with Paris, would rob Rachel five times because for whatever reason, it went unnoticed. They took 30 purses from Rachel and they eventually got to this point where they couldn't 
get rid of things fast enough and they were getting nervous. So they sold them on the Venice Beach boardwalk as like a flea market for $50 each. And how I wish I was there that day. I mean, not that I would want to, I mean, unknowingly, I wouldn't have minded buying right. one for $50. Right, right. <laughs> um, but more sadly, they also took her grandmother's jewelry and an engagement ring her mom had given her, which was her engagement ring that she had set for Rachel when she was 16 years old to save for when she got oh, married. Man. So that was really sad. Also, Rachel's mom kept an eye on her house when Rachel was out of town shooting. And Rachel's mom usually set the alarm, but just didn't this one, this last time. And so now she always does. Yeah. Well, can you imagine being in one of those houses that are just that massive with that many doors and that many things that need to be locked? Like we got two ways you can get into my house. I I can remember to do that. But if I have several sliding glass doors and you've got another floor and you have your own private nightclub, you're going to mess up. Absolutely. And you're touching on something all of the victims said and various things that I read, like, you know, sometimes I would just run to the store for 20 minutes or walk my dog and I'm not going to, you know, do all the bells and whistles every single time. And a lot of them do live in very private, if not a gated community. They have gates around their house. Right. So there was this false sense of security that I think was breached for all of them and all of them changed their practices. They always lock every right. door and window now, as yep. you could imagine. So uh, I said there was one exception to it being women and that would come in July of 2009 and that's Orlando Bloom. This broke their MO a little bit. They didn't really target men, but they were sort of after Miranda Kerr, who was his girlfriend at the time. She's a Victoria's Secret model, and that's whose clothes they had in mind. But they actually more found Orlando's stuff. It was his house. They took his Louis Vuitton luggage, collection of Rolex watches, and some art, all in like half a million dollars. Bloom also said that his valuable watch collection wasn't even in a safe, but it was in this well-hidden secret compartment inside a wall, obscured by a bookshelf. So he felt like, this is somebody I know that works for me. Like, there is no way somebody would find this. So he actually accused his housekeeper of doing it. And so she quit because she couldn't bear the tension of, of him accusing her and it wasn't her. And so he was very sweet and said he sent her flowers and apologized when he came to find out it was in fact this bling ring. So these kids were good and they, they were calm. I mean, if you look at surveillance footage, the guy, Nick, he gets a little jumpy, but Rachel Lee, who most reports say was the mastermind. I mean, she just confidently walked around and I think she started to know what to look for. Right. So Orlando was in July. They'd been doing it for some time and I think she just got really savvy about where other things might be. Next up, another man, Brian Austin Green. Uh, but again, it was more because his girlfriend at the time, Megan Fox, right. who would become his wife, who is no longer his wife. At the time, Megan was just his girlfriend. Things change, you well, know? She's <laughs> now with uh, Machine Gun Kelly, you know? Their love is something. That, that that story is so wild. And I, I, I don't know enough about her, them, the situation, but I feel for Brian Austin Gray right? in this. I just like, it just looks rough. I know. Well, I think people in our age category, uh, yeah, like that's who I know. I know Brian Austin Green and now yes. you're seeing his ex-wife with Machine Gun Kelly. But I don't know anything either and I don't want to talk about it on the next Oops, We Did It Again. So I'll, I'll let you continue. <laughs> yes, enough said. I will not be backing myself in. <laughs> to any Machine Gun Kelly corner. So from Brian Austin Green's house, why can't I just say Brian? It's like they go together. It's, it's Brian Austin Green or bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gun, which was kind of scary yeah. because now these kids have a gun, a watch, 
and they have reportedly gotten in through the doggy door, which was just 12 inches wide, but one of the girls was super tiny, so that's how they think they got into his house. The final robbery was in August of 2009, and it was Lindsay Lohan's house. From Lindsay, they took art, a custom fur coat, jewelry, two watches, an Hermes bag. Lindsay actually said she didn't remember if she'd set the alarm that night. To your earlier point, it was one of those, I usually do, but maybe I didn't right. because just can you always do all of that? Right. So, and this is a quote from Lindsay. That night that I went back to the house, I just felt, to be honest, so violated and uncomfortable that I literally packed up as much stuff as I could because it wasn't about the things that were taken. It was just the fact that someone came into the only private space I had left at that point. And I think that's like kind of the heart of what this is. Yeah. You know, all of these other things, with the exception of family heirlooms, can be replaced. But feeling violated is just the absolute yeah. worst. This would be the robbery that got them caught, too. Lindsay Lohan was, I mean, peak famous in 2009. So when this made headlines on the news, they really started paying attention and trying to solve this crime. Right. And when the kids got arrested, it's actually said that Rachel Lee, the mastermind, said to the arresting officer, did you talk to Lindsay Lohan? What did she say? <laughs> and like... It's just sad and really indicative of kind of where her head was yeah. at. I think they really just kind of wanted, I think she wanted to be a thought in Lindsay Lohan's yeah. mind. That yeah. was sort of the ultimate goal more than taking stuff. Oof. Okay. Yeah. So there's a timeline of the crimes and the robberies. Now let's talk about this bling ring. And I'm going to focus on Alexis Nyers, not because she was the mastermind, Melissa, but because you are right. She is the icon who gave us the voicemail Heard around the world. Yes. Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyers calling. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story. There's many, many things that I read in here that were false. Like you saying that I wore six-inch Louboutin heels with my tweed skirt when I wore four-inch little brown BB shoes. And then the mom had to chime in. Do you remember? I can't remember what she said exactly. <laughs> $29! Yeah. <laughs> She's screaming it. Yeah. Like... Oh, it's just insanity. And I just love whenever she says, every time you interrupt, I have to do it again. <laughs> yes. And we will get to kind of the manic hysteria that is that show and all that was playing into that scene. Yes. And it is funny and it is timeless, but it is so disturbing when you kind of know what's really going Dang on. Dang it, Rebecca. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I hate to do this, but it's got to be done. I am a truth teller. So I can tell you definitively that Alexis Nyers is not the mastermind of the bling ring, but she did become the face of it because her reality show was being filmed when she was arrested for her role in it. So what transpired on the show is reality TV legend. But as you and I, Melissa, know, the real truth is so much stranger and often darker than the fiction. So where does this reality show fit into all of this? It is, honestly, I would have said this even if it wasn't the show title. It's pretty wild. <laughs> I had to. I know that you know that meme and you have that mug, but did you actually watch Pretty Wild, Melissa? I did. Mm -hmm, I did. Okay. And did you watch it then? Yeah, I watched it. In 2010? It, um, it, it could have been after whenever E plays everything a million times. I think I just yeah. knew, I knew about this, so I wanted to watch that episode, and then I just watched the whole thing, which is not that exciting. Less than know. wild. I don't know. It depends on your definition of wild, I guess. Yeah. But like you, many people did tune in because of the attention 
that the bling ring brought the show. So it was green lit to get a pilot. But when the headlines came out about Alexis's involvement in the bling ring, E picked up the entire season. So they absolutely capitalized yeah. off the surrounding news frenzy. Pretty wild. The show we watched was about three teenagers, Alexis, Gabby, and Tess, and their stage manager mom, Andrea. And the girls were just, I mean, it was just this out of control. They were partying and they were disrespectful, but loving. I mean, it definitely portrays a dysfunctional but loving family. The girls were trying to have careers in entertainment and their mom was willing to do anything to help them accomplish this, including homeschool the girls and use a curriculum based on the book, The Secret, and other (laughs) law of attraction type principles. This foursome famously prayed and expressed these daily intentions every day, and they would end the prayer in unison by saying, and so it is. Factor is back as a sponsor of Criminality, and I couldn't be happier. Here is one of my favorite things about Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They're perfect year-round in all seasons. I loved having Factor meals in the winter when it was so cold and so miserable to go out and I was happier to stay inside and heat up my factor meal and get a warm meal. But now that it's spring and warming up outside, I'm revving up my fitness routine. So I don't want to do takeout as much. I certainly don't want to cook or grocery shop. And I'm more conscious about what I'm eating. Another perfect season and reason to get factor meals delivered. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in two minutes. You can choose from a weekly menu of over 35 options, including popular options like the one I get, which is calorie smart, but you can also do keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. Also, it's not just meals. They have more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunches, snacks, beverages, all kinds of things to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Head to factormeals.com slash criminality50 and use code criminality50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code criminality50 at factormeals.com slash criminality50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Spring is bursting with fresh energy. The air, our aspirations, and even our homes get a refreshing makeover. And what better time to revamp your home security with Simply Safe? It's our top choice and for good reason. Praised as the best home security system for 2024 by US News and World Report and recognized by Newsweek for its exceptional customer service, Simply Safe has you covered. From break-ins to fires and floods, its comprehensive sensors keep your entire home safeguarded. I also love that with the cameras I have in my house, I can be gone, not be able to get a hold of a kid, and simply go onto one of the cameras and look around the room and see my kid is there and safe, but just ignoring me, as you know, kids will do sometimes. And with a range of indoor and outdoor cameras, you can keep a vigilant eye on your property around the clock. For less than a dollar a day, you can enjoy 24-7 professional monitoring, ensuring prompt emergency responses for whenever you need it. Plus, Simply Safe's monitoring agents can intervene in real time, deterring intruders with the power of voice through wireless indoor cameras. 
But the best part is there's no long-term commitment and you have a generous 60-day money-back guarantee. So why not give Simply Safe a try? If it doesn't exceed your expectations, simply return it for a full refund. Simply Safe has given us and our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminality. That's simplysafe.com/criminality. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Why this family, right? I mean, it's kind of interesting, but yeah. is it like showworthy? Right. Well, if you were to ask them, Alexis in her book, which I read, said they manifested it. So the mom Andrea is this sort of free-spirited hippie. She had moved to L.A. when she was young and wanted to become famous. She was uh, a playmate at one point, and she always wanted more. Like, she was hoping that would kind of take her career to the next level, and it never really did. She divorced her husband when Alexis was really little, and uh, she had Gabby then as well. So Alexis and Gabby are her biological daughters, and Tess is not a biological daughter, and I'll get to that in a minute. But um, she smoked pot freely in the house. She had a lot of boyfriends coming in and out as the girls were raised, and the dad was paying alimony and child support, and he had a good job in the TV industry until Alexis was around 12 years old. Unfortunately, the dad's problem with alcohol became full-blown alcoholism, and he actually ended up losing his job and his home and really, really struggled. So the payments to the family stopped. So Andrea is very much a struggling single mom, and she starts to look at what does she have? What can she do? She's not really qualified or trained to get a job, but she has two beautiful little girls, Alexis and Gabby. So she puts them in dance classes and modeling, and she really thinks they could actually be the way to success. At this time, she's also friends with a woman named Tracy, and Tracy has a little girl named Tess who is a year older than Alexis, and they are just like thick as thieves, if you will. They just do everything together to where Andrea feels like she actually has three daughters, not two. Things are not great with Tracy. That's for another podcast. Like the dad, her own struggles kind of just got to a point where she was unable to really live a healthy life and parent well. So Tracy and Andrea talked and agreed that Andrea would take Tess on basically as her own indefinitely. And while there was no formal adoption per se, Tess moved in with the family and was by all intents and purposes theirs. Huh. Yeah, I know. Little Nicole Richie-ish. Yeah, it actually is. And the show does slightly address it. And there's an episode where Tess's biological mom wants to have contact with her. And you can tell it's just a very painful subject for Tess. And um, she really considers Alexis and Gabby her sisters and Andrea her mom. Andrea eventually remarries a man named Jerry, and we see him on the show, but very peripherally. He's a very sidelined character. I was actually rewatching Great News because of our last episode and the conversation about everybody loving Great News. And it's like, you know, Carol's husband, he's like a figure, but not a person. (laughs) Yes. Like, I wouldn't say Jerry's exactly that, but almost he might as well be like Eileen from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills like you there's like this one scene where you see him in the garage like looking in on everybody but he's not really part of it yes and he gets a line or two I love it but the show is absolutely the mom and the girls so now that she's married she's a little more secure and it frees her up to really make sure the girls can get famous which is honestly her objective but she sort of hides it under her own version of spirituality and she feels like the bigger platform they get the more their divine message can be shared to the world and 
I'm reading Alexis's book and Alexis is like, we didn't have a message. Like we just, (laughs) my mom talked about abundance and wanting abundance and what that meant was money. She wanted us to be rich and famous. They went about this daily intention to go back to the manifesting. Andrea would say every day that they wanted to get a show to increase their platform. And she even named the dollar amount that they wanted to be paid. And every day they would pray that. So while they're manifesting or while she's manifesting, I think the girls were out auditioning and they were getting a little bit of success. They, I mean, success is relative. And what is success for these young girls? Probably not the jobs they got, but they got some lingerie modeling shoots, music video gigs, and they got small roles in a 2009 movie called Frat Party. Don't even look it up. Just No. (laughs) Skip it all together. It was... Yeah, we don't even need to talk about how bad the reviews are. Trust us, they're bad. So it was on this set that the girls meet Dan Levy, not son of Eugene Levy, a different guy in Hollywood who is an actor and a comedy writer. Yeah, and he was really, I know him. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so he meets them. How do you know him from other things he's done? So he's friends with John Mulaney. He, I oh, think, actually married him and his wife who are now getting divorced and I'm devastated over. And that was the other news that I couldn't remember. Yes, that was a rough, it's been a rough week for love. That's sad. And Mm -hmm. what was the other thing? His wife is a writer. She writes with, oh my gosh, you ready for this? Angela from The Office. Ready? Oh, nice. Her ex-husband's new wife is a writing partner with Dan Levy's wife. And they wrote on My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and a few other shows. So it's like one of these back in MySpace days, I like knew who Dan Levy was. Melissa, I'm so impressed. I mean, are you? Because this feels sort of like the bottom of the barrel and why this is another waste of my time, waste of my brain. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's cool. I think it just speaks to your passion. Like he's a comedy writer and you actually know stuff he's worked on and writing partners. Like it's just telling about what you're interested in. I think it's great. Thank you so much. Please tell the others in my life the same. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. Dan meets them and he's kind of taken by their story. What is their story? At this time, Alexis and Tess are 17 and 18 years old. Their story that they put out to the world was that they're 20-year-old fraternal twins. (laughs) So it just made them more exotic and it was kind of more of a hook. And so they were telling Dan that we homeschool with our mom and it's based on the secret. And he's like, this is insane. Maybe it could be a show. So he actually pitches it as a comedy. And the original working title is homeschooled with the Arlingtons. And Chelsea Handler is the executive producer and she says yes to it. So an example of the scenes they pitched would be, so we'll open up and the mom is trying to homeschool and the girls have been out all night and they're hungover and they're late to class. That can get you a show, Melissa. So keep keep your ideas going, keep writing. I can do it. Let me see if I still have my MySpace page activated to get in touch with old Dan. (laughs) There you go. Andrea and the girls felt like this was it. They felt like now they're just living out their divine purpose. They're going to get their message out to more people. Alexis was just happy to have a job that would support her increasing serious drug habit. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, due to childhood trauma, when she was really young, Alexis was sexually abused by three people in her life. Wow. And so by the time she was 12 years old, she was already drinking alcohol and starting to experiment with drugs. When she was 14... She was in dance class all the time and she broke her foot and was given Vicodin to manage the pain and she got hooked. She loved the feeling and it's really sad to read her book because she describes the feeling and says, it felt like the warm, protective hug I was so craving from an adult in my life. 
I was getting it through this synthetic high and it made her feel safe and it made her feel escaped from reality. And she literally was addicted by age 14. By the time the show starts filming, Alexis and Tess are drinking, smoking pot, doing oxy and sometimes heroin because the pain pills are very expensive. That's why they were actually really happy to get the salary of the show because they could go back to Oxycontin and not heroin. Mm -hmm. So sad. But the show would quickly go from this funny, lighthearted comedy about girls trying to break into the Hollywood socialite scene into a serious drama about one of the girls breaking in to Orlando Bloom's home. How did Alexis get caught up in the bling ring? So if you remember, I talked about the potential mastermind, and that was Rachel Lee. And there's a little debate. Is it Nick Prugo or Rachel Lee? It's definitely kind of a toss up between them. But Nick was this new kid at this alternative high school in the L.A. suburbs. It was called Indian Hills, and he met Rachel Lee there. Rachel Lee was this it girl, total fashionista. Just she's the one who zeroed in on which celebrities they would break into. She basically befriended this Nick kid who was new. He was gay. He didn't know he was going to fit in, but he loved fashion too. And he just really wanted, you know, it just takes one friend when you're the new kid. Right. It doesn't matter who it is. And I'm not saying he wasn't discerning, but it was like she took an interest in him. I think she was really the leader of this yeah, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. They didn't start by breaking into homes. The first thing they started to do, Rachel introduced him to this little game she would do. She would go into these super expensive neighborhoods where there were cars in the driveway and cars parked on the street outside of homes. And she would just brush her hand by the cars and lift up the handle casually. And if it was open, she'd stick her hand into the side door and see if there were any items to swipe, like real swift, real casual, very cool. I could never pull it off. No. And cash, IDs, like she would take whatever she could find. Then she graduated to going to the glove boxes. Sometimes she'd find the spare set of keys in there. She would take the car on joyrides. None of these kids are afraid of consequences. I just, that's all I could think during the research. I don't know what you were like as a teen. I definitely made some mistakes and broke some rules, but I was so afraid of getting caught. Oh, no, listen, this all just makes me itchy and I am feel yeah. like I'm getting hives. I, If I accidentally opened the door to a car that was not mine, I would have left a note that said, you know, dear sir or ma'am, I accidentally touched your car. I did not steal it. I put $50 in there. Please don't send me to jail. I'm, I, this all makes me so nervous. Same. Absolutely same. And again, I don't want to pretend I never broke any rules, but my heart is beating at the idea of stealing a car. Even if you're going to return it, like that would just never be fun to me. The joyride no. would have no joy. Yeah, no joy. I'd be crying driving it oh, back, yeah. trying to get back. Like anxiety ride. Yeah. So Nick's dad worked in guess where the TV and film industry. Mm -hmm. And so Nick would bring home these clothes and he would get more friends by giving the girls these clothes he was stealing. And these girls weren't asking any questions, but just in case he covered a story by saying, well, I work as a stylist sometime on the set with my dad and I take home the clothes. So that's how he kind of explained that. One of those friends that he gave the clothes to was Tess. He was obsessed with Tess. He loved her and she adored him. But it wasn't Tess that ended up as an accomplice in the Orlando Bloom robbery. It was Alexis. She could no longer live under her mom's rules. Apparently, she missed an audition and her mom caught her smoking oxy. And she just decided, I'm out of here. Tess had already been kicked out. So Tess was actually living at Nick's house. So Alexis packs her bag, goes to find Tess at Nick's. And Nick says, you just missed Tess. Like she's just ran off with another boyfriend and she'll probably be gone for days because that was very much her MO. Right. So Alexis is now stuck with Nick. They go out for dinner and this is the night of the robbery 
that Alexis was involved in from Alexis's point of view. And I just want to say for the record that I believe her. I don't think she has any reason to lie. And I'll get to that later. So they end up going to a restaurant in L.A. called Bezos. And I was really hoping it was Buca de Peppo, but it's not. (laughs) Not the Capri Um, room? No. Dang it. And they have drinks. And by drinks, they share an entire bottle of vodka. And Alexis goes into the bathroom and gets high. So at some point, she's kind of nodding out, which I learned is a term that is different from nodding off, which is kind of a more drug-induced falling asleep. And it's often a precursor to overdosing. Um, But it is common if you use opiates. And she was sort of in and out of consciousness. And he's like, hey, we're leaving. Do you want to come? And she says, yeah, sure. Like, she doesn't even know what's up and what's down. Right. He gets her into the car. She nods out again, wakes up, and she's in the driveway of an unfamiliar home. Nick says, come on, get out. We're going in. So she's thinking, okay, we're here to party or it's a dealer. Sure, I'll go. But she's really in a semi-conscious state. She goes in and there are other kids already there. Apparently the other part of the bling ring had already gotten in. So it was super easy for Nick and Alexis to get in. And she looks around and there's just a bunch of teenagers with bags taking stuff, like ransacking the house. And Alexis is like, I was so wasted out of my mind, but I know a robbery when I see one and I know exactly what's happening. And she starts screaming, get me out of here. I want to leave. She's very uncomfortable. And to her credit, she says even, it's not like my moral code was so high. I literally panhandled for drugs, but there was something about violating someone's home. She knew it was just wrong and she didn't want anything to do with it. But she couldn't really get out. She had just left her mom's house. She couldn't call her mom. She felt very beholden to Nick. Tess was nowhere to be found. She had nobody. Right. So the kids say to Nick, hey, if you brought her, make her do something. So they throw her a garbage bag and they tell her to start grabbing stuff because they got to go. So Alexis starts throwing stuff in. She doesn't even pay attention to what. And then they're like, we got to go. We got to go. So you can imagine the scurry. They run out. She gets in the car. And now she feels like she's kind of coming too. And he looks at her and says, you can never tell anybody about this. And she says, I won't. And she really felt afraid. Yeah. So she goes back to Nick's house and she decides this is all too much for her. Like she knows she's made really bad choices, but this is not the path she's trying to go down. So she calls her mom desperate, crying. And she says, things are really messed up here. Can I please come home? And her mom welcomes her with open arms. Now keep in mind, they've signed up to do the show at this point, but they haven't started filming. So they've got some pre-signing money. Things are happening. They're all so happy. And she's really scared that this could actually ruin the whole thing. And her mom was relying on this as income, as that next level. You know, the sisters were on board. Everybody wanted to do that. And she felt like what she was doing tonight could really ruin it for everybody. So that an unexpected and interesting thing happens. She starts seeing the headlines in the news about these robberies. And it triggers these memories. She kind of forgot about it, basically, because she was kind of half out of her mind. And she sees what looks like the house where she was. And she's going, oh, my gosh, I think I know about that. And the news is saying, if you know anything, please call this number. And so she summons up the courage. And, you know, in her book, she says, I think this is the first, like, honest, truthful thing I'd done in a really long time. Mm -hmm. She was very afraid of the consequences, but she also believed in her innocence that she didn't really want to be there. So It was naive. She didn't think she'd get in trouble because she thought, well, I didn't want to take things. I took things, but they made me. Yeah, yeah. And she wanted to do the right thing. So it was sort of this combination of wanting to do the right thing and complete naivete. She calls the police and says, I'd like to report a robbery. They're like, okay, what was the address? She's like, I don't know. Uh, Whose house was it? I'm not sure. 
And they, who, was it just you? You know, what's going on? She goes, well, I know who did it. And so she names Rachel Lee and Nick Prugo. They say, okay, we'll take down your information. We'll be in touch with you. They never get in touch with her. So she sort of forgets about it, to be honest, and starts focusing on the show that she is about to start shooting. The show starts, it's a couple of months later, and on the very first night of shooting, she comes back from a night of staying out all night long, and she takes two Xanax to help her come down, and that was very much her habit at this point, and she goes to bed. And she wakes up to police at the door, swarming her mom's house with a search warrant to make an arrest. Now, does that sound familiar to you? I don't remember any of that. It's episode one. It starts with... Like probably the second scene is the arrest when, you know, they come in and they say, is Alexis Nyers here? And they're like, Alexis. Yeah. So you see her getting out of bed. Well, it was and it wasn't the first episode. The cameras weren't actually rolling when that happened. So Alexis actually gets arrested, actually goes to jail, gets bailed out. And the very next day, the production team makes them reshoot that. Oh, my entire thing. So Alexis really talks about how traumatizing that was to relive it. And something she wrote in the book that was, I thought, very profound was we created drama, which produced trauma. Hmm. And that kind of is how it was for them on the set of Pretty Wild. They had to manufacture fights. They would reshoot things for more drama, higher stakes. Right. And that doesn't just end when the cameras are down. Right. So the family now has all this tension and conflict from the day at work. So they reshoot the whole scene, actors playing cops. They bring in a helicopter to make it more dramatic. I mean, it's insane. And the show producers quickly realize the narrative is about to pivot. This is no longer comedy, and Alexis's crime and the legal proceedings are going to be a huge part of the show's storyline. So in between scenes about Tess and Alexis auditioning, going out for jobs, double dating, and partying, there were just a lot of scenes with Alexis, her lawyer, and court hearings. So let's talk about the court hearings and the legal proceedings. Alexis initially denied taking anything and she maintained her innocence. In a pretrial hearing, Alexis's lawyer tries to get the whole thing to go away. He says, there's a lack of evidence and that footage you have of her is very fuzzy. Are you even sure it's her? And so she's like, I don't want to go to trial, but I do because I don't think this is fair. But Mm. if she went to trial and lost, she was going to get six years in prison. Whoa. Then she found out Orlando... Bloom is willing to testify against her. He sees her in the footage and is willing to name her in open court. And she takes a minute, really thinks about it. And there's a lot of back and forth. This unfolds over a couple of episodes, but she eventually decides to take the deal offered to her. She pleads no contest to the burglary charge and she's sentenced to 180 days in jail, to which she famously says on the show, if Buddha could sit under a tree for 40 days, then I can do this. I can do this. I have to tell you, Rebecca, you can really channel her voice quite well. It's a talent. Thank you. I think you could be a comedy writer and I can do some impressions. I feel like we have a little side hustle, another side hustle. But she also writes in her book that the last five days of that sentence, Lindsay Lohan served on the same cell block for breaking her parole. I know. It's a crazy reality full circle. Yeah. And speaking of parole, unfortunately, Alexis is not done with criminal activity, but put a pin in that for just one second. The season ends with the resolution having happened at trial that she's going to go to jail. So the season's over. Alexis does actually go to jail. She doesn't serve six months. She only serves 30 days. And the show is not picked up again because Chelsea Handler felt like it got way too dark. Yeah. But 
I also think it was a liability. It was no secret that the girls had drug problems right. and were drinking. Also, they were just not even 21, but the, nobody really seemed to care about that. Yeah. In one of the episodes, they even confront Alexis. I don't know if you remember the scene where they confront her about taking pills. And it's very vague. And it's, you're taking these pills. I found the Xanax. And she says she takes Ambien to help her sleep. And they make it this very, look, it's serious. If I mean, if it was my kid taking any prescription drugs, not as prescribed, super serious. But knowing she's actually a heroin addict. And the family knew that too, but they manufactured the scene to look like this kind yeah. of after school special intervention. I think the show knew better than to like take Continue. it to another season. Yeah, yeah. Another thing happening was Tess and Alexis would go out and party every night, every weekend, and people were taking pictures of them doing illicit drugs and posting them on the internet. So people are finding that, equating it with the show. It was right. disastrous. She serves her 30 days. Her family picks her up from jail. This is obviously all not on the show. This I learned from reading her book. And, you know, I don't know what you would want to do, Melissa, after serving 30 days in the county jail, but I'd want to go home and sleep in a clean bed. Take a shower. Maybe ask my mom to make something. Take a shower. She asks if she can go to her friend's house because her friend's having a party. And I don't know why, but her mom drops her off there. Oh, my gosh. Alexis goes immediately into her old patterns. She was 30 days clean in jail, but she was not equipped to right. be clean on the outside because that's not what we do to people in jail. Yeah, we don't yeah. help them, right? And so she, maybe she wasn't there long enough to have rehab. I don't know. So she gets into her old ways and she ends up getting into a really bad pattern again. She wasn't sleeping at her mom's again. She was she was kicked out, but she had one particularly bad night after heroin and she did sleep at her mom's. And it was that morning that the police came for her because she'd missed a parole check-in, mm. a mandatory check-in. It wasn't a hearing so much as like she was supposed to go to the parole's office. Right. She missed it. They came, they found her at her mom's. Alexis actually thinks it's miraculous that they found her there. It's the only address they had for her. She had other addresses, but they went to her mom's house for some reason. And for some reason she was there and she doesn't think that was an accident Yeah. because this arrest is the one that would sort of change the next course of her life. They arrest her for possession of heroin, which in the state that Alexis was in, this is so sad. She blames on Gabby, who was just 17 at the time and said, it's her little sister's. <gasps> And she's screaming and she's out of her mind and it didn't take long for them to know she was lying. Yeah. But that really devastated their relationship for a period and they've mended. But they arrest her again. They bring her to jail and her lawyer is like, you need help. Right. And you have to want it. Do you want help? And she finally just feels exhausted from this roller coaster she's been on. She's barely 20 years old at this point and just... She's just done. And yeah. so she says, I, I'm willing to change. And so she he says, you have to throw yourself at the mercy of the judge. So she shows up to her hearing. She says, I don't need jail. I need help. I do not want to stay on this path. And he believes her. And she credits that judge for saving her life. That gives me chills. It's so beautiful. And honestly, I'll talk more about her book, but it's called Recovering from Reality. And that was the the first day of the rest of her life. Honestly, mm -hmm. she spent one year in a sober living community and treatment center. She stayed sober the entire time. She figured out who she was. She dealt with the trauma of her childhood, PTSD. She just recalibrated entirely. And she would end up meeting her husband at an AA meeting just a year oh, wow. later, who had many years of sobriety under his belt. And together now they've been married, I think almost 
seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. They have two children together and they run a sober living and rehab treatment center. They have several locations throughout Southern California. And she's now an advocate for mental health and recovery. And so that to me is the upside to this whole story. The only reason I feel like I could tell it, because I know the memes are funny and that show is kind of a fun train wreck to watch. Right. But when you know that these girls were just spiraling in real life, barely holding it together, and the mom has her unresolved issues too, so it's tempting to blame her, but she doesn't know much better either. Right. It just becomes really sad. Yeah. But I am happy to say that it ends well for most of them. They are all in so much better places than they were at the time of filming. And I thought it would be fun to end it with this post Alexis put on Instagram from March 2020, which I think you'll appreciate. Okay. She wrote... This is Alexis Nyers calling. I'm calling to alert you to the fact that societal shame is rampant, even after talking about shame, and it's becoming a popular talking point over the last five years. Everyone's talking about vulnerability and how it's changed their lives. My experience of coming back to the media space after so much public scrutiny has been eye-opening. Sure, we won't always be liked, and that's okay. We won't always be someone's cup of tea. But despite my nine years of sobriety, my work that is saving lives, bravely telling my story, and dedicating my life to serving others, I still get written off as the bling ring girl. One day, maybe one day, the world will wake up and realize that the messy ones, the sensitive ones, the addicted ones, the different ones are actually the special ones. We're the showers and the mystics. We're the truth tellers. We're here to say that operating as we have been is no longer sustainable, and it's time to take radical action now. So if you feel like you're unworthy, this is Alexis Snyder's calling to tell you that you're not. You're worthy and your perceived flaws actually make you special. And I just was like, oh my gosh, this woman has just grown into an incredible human. Yeah. She does not shy away from her story. She talks about it. She's so candid in her book. This book does not paint her into a pretty picture. And that's why I was saying I chose to believe her version of events because she says so many unflattering things about herself in this book that why would she lie about stealing or not stealing? So there's other things in that book that are so much harder to to take in. Yeah, yeah, it would be very easy. And she's already served her time, so it would be very easy for her to say, I knew what I was doing, you know, if that was the truth. But to say the way she did, it doesn't, it wouldn't change anybody's perception. You know what I mean? Like it was just a crappy thing she was a part of, but man. And she did eventually take ownership of her part in it and acknowledge that she violated someone's home and did take things. And she not only served that time, she was on probation, I think for a while, I want to say three years. There are a couple behind the scene fun facts around the show that I wanted to share that I couldn't fit in the story. Do you want to hear them? Please do. Yes. Okay. So you probably know the movie, the 2013 movie called The Bling Ring, which I think a lot of people were aware of, which brought a lot of renewed interest into Pretty Wild. Uh, But that was directed by Sofia Coppola, starring Emma Watson. And I think that's why people also think Alexis was the face of it, was because Emma Watson was, and she was based on Alexis's character, not Rachel Lee's character. Super fun fact around The Bling Ring. Paris agreed to let Sofia Coppola film inside her home. So the scenes, you have to go back and watch it. In the burglary part of Paris's house are actually Paris's house. So that nightclub I described, I saw it. Like oh, it's, wow. It's so cool. And I really didn't like the movie at all. Yeah. But it's worth it just to see that scene. Yeah. A lesser known film before The Bling Ring was made in 2011, a Lifetime movie. Sure. Starring Austin Butler, Spencer Locke, Yin Chang, and Tracy Faraway. Sure. Them. 
Okay. Yeah. And then before that, in 2010, so you know Law & Order swoops in with oh, a headline yeah. episode. They had a brief stint as Law & Order LA, which I don't I don't remember. And this episode was on there, and I believe it was actually called The Bling Ring, the episode. Some lesser fun facts around the show and the filming. The girls didn't even live at the house. They were kicked out the entire time. They lived at a Days Inn hotel. What? Or a motel. So the it two was older their girls. mom's house, but they would just come for filming? Exactly. Whoa. And if you remember, I don't know if you remember, but they move because they live in this conservative like um, cul-de-sac and they were in a townhouse and the HOA didn't like that they were filming and all the press. So they move into the Hollywood Hills during the show. And what I learned was production paid for that house rental because they couldn't even afford it. Whoa. And speaking of not even being able to afford the house, when I say they had a drug problem, Alexis in her book talks about how much drugs she and Tess were doing. Their combined income for the show was $10,000 a week, which is quite a living 10 plus years ago for teenage girls. And they spent the entire thing on drugs. 10,000 a week on booze and pills and heroin. Oh, man. And no sign of any money to come. You know, this was one season. That was it. It was over. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't be the first time we saw reality stars mismanage this yeah. newfound I'm wealth. But yeah. But how sad. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know you could ring up that kind of right. like drug bill. But they did. And this is not funny at all, but crazy to watch back. There's a scene where they go to Mexico to do a charity event and the girls are like, I'm seeing it. They're going to Cabo and it's all Cabo fun. And the girls in real life were so scared. Like, how are they going to get into Mexico with their drugs? Right. So they carried them internally the way drug mules do. Yeah. So I say this to emphasize, it was honestly a serious addiction and somebody in production, found their drugs in Mexico and flushed them down the toilet. Mm. So they were really um, sick and not well during that shoot. I'm telling you, if you rewatch the show, if you're brave enough, you will see it with a whole new light yeah. and you will just see the pain in their eyes. These girls had dead eyes. Yeah. And Alexis actually also has a podcast for anybody interested with the same title as her book, Recovering from Reality. She is delightful. I find her very easy to listen to. She's smart. She has great guests. You'll hear a lot of behind the scenes stories from Pretty Wild. She kind of weaves them in, but she's so healed. She's so mature that I think it makes, for me, enjoying Pretty Wild, it, it somehow makes it okay because I know everybody's safe. Right. Gabby, Tess, they're all doing fine, even Andrea. So so that's the story of Pretty Wild and the Bling Ring. Whoa. Okay. So uh, on Moms <sighs> and Murder, we covered the Bling Ring, but without all of this all the pretty wild stuff it was mostly like I remember more about uh Nick and uh the others but yeah I mean just watching the show uh pretty wild I you know I had no real idea what was going on back then with I just knew that they had stolen from a celebrity or whatever and I always thought Alexis was involved in several of them I I never knew it was just the one that she was involved in so her story makes a ton of sense to me if they're always bringing teenagers in getting as much as they like it makes total sense yeah and there was even some chatter about Tess being involved Nick names her as being at one of the robberies, but I guess they never had her on camera. And again, if you watch it back, when I watch those scenes, I almost see a terrified Tess, like, is it just a matter of time before they find out? Yeah. And so really, really interesting. But yeah, the other kids in the bling ring, which you would probably know from researching it, 
I think they all pled out and they all did serve some time, but yeah. greatly reduced sentences than if they had gone to trial. So they all had lawyers. And I think there's varying degrees of how those kids are faring, but all told, they seem to be okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I'm so glad Alexis is doing well. I mean, I knew a little you know, a little bit because I've Googled her and stuff like that, but it's incredible what she's able to do and how she's, she's manifested this whole sober living thing. Really? I mean, this is all I know. come from, um, come from that. That's pretty incredible. It is. It makes me so happy because yeah. man, that story could have a different ending. Actually, that reminds me, I had a, sh- a little audio clip I wanted to play you. Can I send it to you? Please do. So this is kind of a fun callback. Okay. Everybody sees you like this. Everybody saw Anna Nicole like this, too. And look at her now. Oh, no. (laughs) And and by fun, it's not fun at all. (laughs) Everyone saw you like this. Everyone sees Anna Nicole like this and look at her now. Um... (laughs) I know. And this was like a few years after she had died. So it's like, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So she's speaking about it as though like, look at her now, but she's not alive when she said that. Yeah. (laughs) So that's Pretty Wild and The Bling Ring. And I sure watched that season more than once in preparation for this. Um, I need to hear what you're watching because I can't watch Pretty Wild or think about watching Pretty Wild any longer. Okay. Well, I considered watching more great news because we talked about it so much and my gosh, and I'm so excited. So many people have written and said they love it. No one's written and said I hated it. They've all loved it. So if you haven't, please join our uh, Stan podcast (laughs) account, whatever about it. So here is what I'm watching. I just started it and I'm loving it. Okay. So this is on Peacock, Peacock Network. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, in sync ish Tina Fey. I'm just a Tina Fey stan, let's be honest. In sync oh, is me I'm pushing it. Let's say girl band. Okay. Girl band, Tina Fey, and Sync is pushing it. Busy Phillips is in it. Um Sarah. Oh is god, it I just heard about this. I just heard about this. And I can't remember her name from Hamilton. <sighs> Girls Five Eva. Paula Powell. Yes, I, I was going to get there. Dang it. I'm sorry. Yes. I shouldn't have said it. No, no, no. It's okay. Tell me more though. Cause I don't really know what it is, but I absolutely have been hearing about it. So it's these, this girl band from early two thousands and they had one hit song girls five Eva because five is more than wait is one more than four Eva. So, so it's a play on forever. And there's a lot forever. of plays in the song. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's very early two thousands music. And um, they their song ends up getting sampled in this rapper's song. And so then they become current day. People have some interest in them. Not a lot of interest, but they're going to capitalize on it. They want to try it again. And so it's it's a comedy. It's so funny. Tina Fey is the producer on it. Um, is it Meredith Scarvino as a writer? It's awesome. So it's scripted. It's scripted, yes. Oh, scripted, comedy. I think there's 10 episodes. I'm only two episodes in. I know that Tina Fey plays Dolly Parton at some point in this. So say no more. I know. So I'm so excited. So I'm just two. I'm trying to like slowly watch them because I just appreciate the, you know, her shows so much that I'm just loving it. Me too. And what a great segue from great news because I did go back and rewatch some episodes. Like sometimes I'll even put them on when I know I'm going to fall asleep. Absolutely. It's comforting. Because I used to fall asleep to 30 Rock. That's Mm -hmm. like my favorite thing to do. Great News has a similar effect. Absolutely. Just 
feel good. And rewatching Nicole Richie in them, I'm just, ugh, I'll never forget that she was in that now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ashamed that I ever did. Okay, I'm absolutely, sincerely, truly going to watch that one. because It that goes on feels the like real list. The real, the actual list. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. We all have a long list of books we're never going to read and movies we're never going to watch that people tell us. Absolutely. Yes. Right? I'm so excited I finally made it to your real list. Rebecca, oh, yeah. what are you watching? Okay. Well, I feel like this is kind of easy and kind of everybody's watching it and talking about it, but this is the best I could do. It's HBO because you. I feel like I say HBO almost every time. I feel like I could guess now, but I'm going to let you keep going. Uh, I should not have led with that. I'll start with uh, the next clue is the hardest one. Bedhead. Okay. Pennsylvania. Mayor from Easttown. Mayor of Mayor, Easttown, yes. See, I haven't even watched it. I just know there's mayor in Easttown, but yes. Yes. Should I be watching it. it? Oh, my gosh. It's so good. And let me explain the bedhead. So Kate Winslet is a freaking icon. She's right. so good. That woman is such a good actress. Mm-hmm. And she's so good on this. But she looks... Like, not the prettiest version of Kate Winslet you've ever seen. I'm she down just looks for that. like a normal person, okay? So she's the executive producer on the show, and she created a mandate for the show with hair and makeup that everybody should look like they have bedhead. And I want these people to look normal and not glam. And they're from this very, like, rural, blue-collar right. neighborhood in Pennsylvania. Also, the accent is perfect. Yeah. It's like they nailed it. There's actually an SNL skit. I don't know if you saw it. I haven't watched it yet, but I've been told to watch the show and then watch the sketch. Watch the show and then you must, I mean, I hope this is making you put it on the real list because yes. it's a great show. And also I just love that. And she actually has said, I read this whole article mm-hmm. about it. She won't do any more movies or TV where the standard of beauty will be such that it's unattainable. She's I like acknowledging it. that the way... TV production and movies make people look is not real and is maybe yeah. damaging. And she's just like, I'm not participating anymore. Oh, I love and it. And that goes for everybody on this show. And honestly, that's smart because if I was going to make myself ugly for every- everybody else, should thank do. you. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. No, no, we're all yeah, going to be no, ugly she's, together. She's no dummy. No. Yeah. And she is so, and she also just still looks amazing because she is yeah. gorgeous. Very good features. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a great show. She's this detective in the town she grew up in, complicated family story. There's ongoing murder investigation and missing girls kind of happening parallel. Okay. And yet it all works. Sounds like a lot going on, but it's so, so good. Huh. Did you ever watch The Killing? I feel like it was on... Um... There's some shows that all have similar names. I feel like I've watched that, but you'd have to tell me what it's about. Okay, so I it was on AMC and it's the same idea, really. It's following one murder throughout and it's kind of this, I would call her bedhead as well. I can't remember her name. Um, Wait, is she a redhead? Woman. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. with the guy. Yes, yes. Oh, I love that. I you say, love that show. I love that you say with the guy. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> I think his first name is Joel, or his name was Joel on the show. I can't remember. Yes, I loved it. The last season was very, very difficult for me, though. It was really sad. It was. I, yeah, it that was, was where really I was like, sad. that got really, really dark for me. But I loved the first season. I think was just incredible. Oh, that I remember watching and being like. What a duo. Yeah. Well, and that was the first time I remember seeing somebody on TV that didn't look glammed up in this role. And I was like, oh, I'm down for this. Yeah, she like doesn't have concealer on. And that just automatically you look normal. Right. You just like you see under her eyes. Yeah. And there's like a little bit of roots. Yeah. I mean, Kate Winslet's roots are like six inches. I'm yeah. like, relatable. Yeah. It's 2021. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. 
Yeah, no, that's a great show. Oh, awesome. Okay, okay good. Well, more importantly, maybe is maybe the next show for our show. What are you what are you working on? Can I have some clues? Yeah. You're saying that in such a relaxed way because you know That's it's over for you. That's because I just did my you. story. Yeah. And so immediately <laughs> exactly. your anxiety has come through the the computer screen and I'm I'm ready to uh, take it in. Okay. So my three clues, I tried to make them a little easier this time because last time they were not fair. Okay. The first one is <laughs> Nationals. The second one is The Nutcracker. And the third one is Sia, like the singer Whoa. Sia. God, I love Sia. Me too. I'm going to sing it now. No, just kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was like, ah. okay. You did. <laughs> um, it's not cheer. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to think about it. And is it cheer? No, it's not cheer. Oh, I'm not okay. doing that story. That story is Yeah, no, I know. It's too sad. Nationals, um, The Nutcracker, and Sia. Okay. I, I'm going to ruminate on that alone. I don't want you to see my Okay, face. yeah. I, you can do it with somebody else. I don't care. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to not <laughs> tell a story. I can't wait to put it together because this has really, I committed to this today a few hours ago. So that's how it goes. Yeah. I know that feeling. I know exactly where you are. I'm now in the like you want to go shopping? Yeah. Wink, wink. Let's <laughs> go steal some stuff. I feel amazing. <laughs> well, this is great. Thank you for going on that joy ride with me. Thank you for not making me go on an actual joy ride with you. I appreciate that. Never, never. I will never do that. Um, we'll play it safe. We'll won't break any rules if we do go to BravoCon. Sounds good. And I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Criminality. If you're enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and give the show a rating and review. The reality is it would be a crime to keep your thoughts to yourself. And come join the fun outside of the podcast and follow us on social media. We are at Criminality Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Memes are welcome. We'll see you in two weeks with a new episode. Until then, you can catch my co-host Melissa on her weekly show, Moms and Murder and Rebecca Sebastian on her podcast, Dialogue, a true crime conversation. Don't forget, loving reality isn't a crime.